Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Father Nathan. Father Michael. Are you just low? What do you mean? I don't know, it's kind of... Certainly not high. It's kind of cutting out. Oh. We're fine. My voice is low? No, like it all of a sudden like faded out right there. Oh, I didn't hear it. All right. We're fine. We're back, folks. Trying to catch up. We have some special visitors coming in by the time both of these podcasts are posted. So Father Mike gets home in T-minus two days? Really? Yeah. I'm unaware of this. Friday, Saturday. So today's the 28th. Oh, of course. Of course. Because we have summer conference. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and is, is John coming in? I feel totally out of the loop. He, uh, Father John, I don't know if he mentions this, mentions this on the next podcast that they okay. post. Which one was the last one that they They're did? Done. They don't have any more recorded. It's us from here on out. Right. But like, what was the last one? Oh. That, was it Mike's story? Albacetti? Oh, yes. Mike's story. I haven't yeah. listened to that one yet. It's vocation story. Not that I care. Anyways. <laughs> um, actually, yeah, that would complete the trifecta because mm-hmm. I did mine with John. Uh, John did his with me. I did yours. I mean, you did yours with, with you. me. Yeah. So then Mike would complete it. Yeah. Mike That's all of us. It. That's it. Now you know everything about us. Everything. Yep. So uh, Father John, is uh, he emailed us some like dates and places. Do you know what he's doing over the next few days? No. Is it? I don't even stuff? know if I'm allowed to say this on the air. Oh. Um, just because Mary Nepple might be listening. Oh. So... Um, let's just say he's climbing two mountains, um, and both of the mountains are extremely impressive mountains. I think that by the time this podcast comes out, which is when? Next Wednesday? This one's coming out next Thursday. Which is the fourth? Yes, something like that. They are extremely safe mountains. Okay. (laughs) Extremely safe mountains. Angels are carrying them. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's a little unknown secret that there's actually an escalator um on one of them so uh yeah he won't be massive handrails yeah like yeah yeah spotters the whole way and like you're you usually wear like floaties the whole time just in case you were to fall off you just fall off into water so (laughs) when i had a friend going up in the grizzly country up in canada and i posted a thing to her facebook wall that was like a joke about bears eating people and i thought you know what if you get eaten by a bear i'm taking this off your wall instantly (laughs) so like if John, for some reason, drowns in the water that he slowly falls into with his yeah, floaties, exactly. <laughs> we're <gonna have> to <laughs> edit, but no, it's <laughs> totally safe. Totally safe. Check back next week. Um, so, anyways, keep Father John in your prayers. Uh, we'll fill you in on the next podcast uh, about what he's doing. So, um, yeah, but Father Mike comes home for our summer conference. That we always awesome. get together the first week of August. Yes. And this year, since since July 31st is on a Sunday, we decided to just go ahead and take that first first week of August instead of the first full week of August, which right. it's not that big of a deal. But that means that you get to be with us the whole time. It does, because you guys are bizophobic. 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 I think that's how you technically pronounce it. <laughs> so they always have their companions gatherings the first week of January and the first week of August, which are like the biggest feats of the Byzantine Church. With Theophany and Transfiguration, so yeah, we'll see how much you love me by seeing how that works out the next few years. But this year, since Transfiguration is on a Saturday, 
So it's perfect. It's I, on the I can be there the sixth? whole week. It's on the sixth. It's on the exactly. sixth. Always. Yes. For you guys too though. Yes. Configuration is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And then Epiphany right. is what you Which ignore. We call it the off yeah. That one can vary because we bump it around. But for you guys, it's always it's the same. It's always on the sixth, January sixth, yeah. exactly. But then this year, I mean, come on, dude. This year this the calendar perfect. works perfectly. Yeah. And the stars align. Yeah. And you'll be there from uh, I think our we're starting our conference on January first. Is that right? Like we'll do it oh, in the thinking, evening of the first, all the way through the sixth. I'm thinking summer conference. Now, what, what now? Both of them, right? But when when does Father Mike give his first conference next week? Because I won't be there till Sunday night late because I have the outreach in Fort Collins. No, we're good. Oh, okay, okay. His first conference is on Monday. Okay. Second conference is on Wednesday. Very good. I mean. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we have conferences the whole time. I mean, it's called a conference. Okay. Villa, right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, but, like, the, they're, they're all the time. They're not all the time. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, so we'll be in conferences all day. So Theophany is on Friday, and I'm going to have to do a vigil on Thursday night. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to come back early from Villa a Did you bit. put that on transportation? No, for Villa. This is in January. Oh, yeah. For, uh, for, no, no, I'm here for the whole time in August. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Companions business. Companions boring. geeking out. <laughs> geeking out. So anyways, um, have you done a podcast on uh, the Holy Protection? Holy Protection? I have not, but I, that's a great idea. Yeah. I actually would have done it today if I'd remembered. Yeah. Because he did a lot of preparation for his. That he's... Yeah. <laughs> I did. It was, it was done at Jelly, my usual preparation there you spot. Go. And I actually prepared a couple hours today. I have a book. A book. That I will be looking at. It's I have upside down right now. A full, full. That's because you can't read the Greek anyway. It's true. And then I have a, a full page. Listen, I'm not one to talk. As I said last time, <laughs> like you know, uh, I have not done well with this. But now, like um, I, I did uh, read uh, for this one, and I feel pretty good. I'm actually really excited about yours because I don't know much about really, her, and okay. I'm actually, and I'm really excited about mine because oh, yeah. I, I like where I the preparation I did. <laughs> I'm gonna like doing the podcast. In other words, so you'll you'll get that next week. What'd you lose? Pat? I lost my phone. It's not that big of a deal. Oh, well, we need it for a shout out at the end. Well, I'm, it's gonna be kind of awkward getting it <laughs> while we're recording. <laughs> Anyways, um, darn it. Um, do you need it? I'll do all the shout outs. No, I just no. I just want to see the. I gotta look for something. Hang on. Just, right, I'm gonna. Hey, everyone, just pause for station identification. You're listening to KDVR Cincinnati. <laughs> I'm going to sing the national anthem in Slavonic. Oh, it's in my, in my butt pocket. I'm going to make up the national anthem. WKRP in Cincinnati. Did I Do you remember that? that story? No. I died. <laughs> Do I remember that? I've never been to Cincinnati. No, WKRP in Cincinnati was an old oh. TV show. Oh, I don't. No, sorry. Special shout out to Matt Tynan, who, um, who sent me a... Talking Alf doll, because I told him I liked Alf. Um, the problem is the battery in it is already dead. So then it's just like, who would like to hear a joke? But sometimes it like goes off in the middle of my office, like uh. while I'm just like typing. It's just like, ha, ha, ha. I'm like, oh, this is weird. Alf doll. If the battery's out, you know that. This means that Mike Tynan got it for you and then just like sat there listening to it for- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For hours until he finally gave it to you. Okay, the reason why, because we were talking about this, he, okay. he said he said something about, like, you know, have you ever gotten a gift 
You ever gotten a gift that you didn't know what to do with because it was kind of what you wanted, but not? Oh. I was like, exactly. Yeah. I remember the Christmas. It was in like 1989, I think. Okay. Um, uh, I had asked. I, I don't even know if I asked for it, but they knew that I loved it. I loved Alf, mm. like the, the TV show Alf. Right. Alien, who was a comedian. I mean, right. come on. Like, who wouldn't love that stuff? And my parents uh, got me a uh, Alf doll. Mm. And I I open it up. I freak out. I, you know, like rip off all the paper. I'm like, this is it. And I start squeezing its stomach. And my mom and my dad and my mom was like, what are you doing? I'm like, why isn't it talking? Right. And they're like, you have to, you have to make it talk. What the heck? The program needs your permission to continue. Oh, great. This one's, this one's already starting off rocky. It's not even recording. It's not. Whatever. This is weird. Are we back? Wow. We're back. We're back. Sorry about that. Our computer's like sending us weird updates and being like, Anima did you? Technica Oracle, Oracle is looking to for your permission to load a virus onto your computer. <laughs> so anyways, they're like, you know, like I'm just squeezing this ALF stomach. I'm like, why isn't this working? And they're like, because you, you have to talk for it. I'm like, oh, it's not the talking ALF doll. Oh. But that was perfect because then he became sort of my like friend that I would like kind of banter back and forth with. He was like the original podcast, right? <laughs> you know, it was eight year old Father Nathan and a stuffed elf doll. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they that was a great Christmas because there's still a picture of me running around the house with my elf doll, and they got me like one of those like blaster guns okay. that would like make the seven sounds oh. like. You remember that? I do, absolutely. What was with that order? Like, it was always the same order. But it reminded me, because there are some ambulances that switch sounds. Actually, in Rome, in Rome, the ambulances, they switch sounds like every three seconds. And it reminded me of one of those guns. Yeah. When you're just, like, playing with the buttons, hitting one after the other. (laughs) Anyways. So, uh, yeah, Matt Tynan, Alf Dolls. Why are we talking about this? I'm not even going to tell my story. Oh, WKRP in Cincinnati. yeah. WKRP. I grew up like watching the news, and that was it. We didn't really watch TV, so I'm, I'm like totally out of it for all of your jokes. <laughs> I, I guess I just smile and nod. Well, the one show that I was and still am obsessed with, and I regret the fact that I don't have cable and or a VCR is right. Jeopardy. Oh, until just recently okay. when I found the most amazing website. Have I shown this to you yet? No. Is it just all Jeopardy? Everything? It's clean. Okay. Uh, yes, it is. Exactly. <laughs> it's every single if it's every single episode of um, of Jeopardy. Wow. Like ever, and they have all the clues. Wow. It's really? called j-archive.com. If this gets taken off the uh. web, the web because like I promote it, I'm sorry, but yeah. j-archive.com. Oh, you can legal. you can read all of the questions. From, like, your birthday 10 years ago. Oh, my gosh. Someone's obsessed. No, they're awesome. But, yeah, okay. So, anyways. All right. So, yeah. TV shows. All right. So, the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is for a very sad reason. Um, Did you hear about uh, Father Jacques Hamel? I did, of course. Father Jacques Hamel. 
Um, he was 85 and a French priest who was celebrating mass uh, for his local community in the like near the diocese or in the diocese of Rouen mm-hmm. uh, near Normandy. And um, all of a sudden, these Islamic militant infidels bust in and uh, make everyone go to the front, assault the priest, make everyone swear allegiance to Allah. And uh, slit the priest's throat during Mass. This is the amazing thing, okay? We have grand visions of what we would do if something like that happened. Yeah. Like, I haven't done a lot of good things in my life, a lot of big things in my life. Um, And if that happened, like, I'd be like, this is my chance. Yeah. But I would probably be wetting myself and thinking, am I in a state of grace? Like, am I totally screwed? Whatever else. Self-preservation, all these things, okay? This guy, Father Jacques, was apparently fighting these men off at 85 years old. Mm. And that is not because he didn't have faith. Right. We think that it's like, oh, well, if that happened, I would perfectly resign myself to to give my life for Christ. No, he, he, he told these guys, you need to get out of here. Yeah. And you can't do this, and you shouldn't do this. Mm. And he was fighting them off. When they when they put him on his knees and Howard, and yeah. and slit his throat, yeah. And as Father Joseph Lejoie reminded us, it was the first it was the first martyred priest in uh, our century uh, in oh. the Western Hemisphere. Really, in the Western Hemisphere, the other priests who were Coptic, or maybe they were oh, just yeah. Coptic Christians, yeah, right. and I, maybe there was a priest with him uh, that wasn't in uh, technically the Western okay. world. Yeah, there's been quite a few even Syrian bishops and things like that that have been killed. Yeah. Yeah, but... And we're just like, la la. Yeah. What's Donald Trump doing? Yeah. What's Bernie Sanders doing? How are the Broncos going to do? Yeah. Uh, Islamic extremists burst into a church and slit a priest's throat. Like, And people just like, oh, well, that's weird. Yeah. You know? You know what, though? It t- completely brought me back to the romantic days in seminary when I just dreamed of being a, about being a priest for reasons like this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, being completely obedient, completely self-sacrificial, like just saying what, what I, am, I am willing to undertake any risk. Mm-hmm. You know, I was telling someone, I think I'm going to preach on that on Sunday. There, there's something about the risks that we take as, as human beings. It's like, you know, if we avoid all risks, then we might stay safe and live a boring life. But if we understand, especially as priests and as Christians, like that is a, wi- a risk. I hope every single one of my parishioners will be willing to take. You know, if if the persecutions come here, every single parishioner I hope would show up to church. If I can think about it, in Kenya, I mean, in Kenya two years ago, they they were rolling grenades on the aisles of Catholic churches, yeah. you know, and just it, killing people every single week, mm-hmm. and the people are still showing up. You know, they were still showing up in church, and it's like, that's amazing. But and he, he that's, I think, the beauty of him, too. Some, somebody posted on Facebook, it was beautiful, and they posted this post and said, if he had lived another day, this is the responsorial psalm he would have heard in Mass. And it was all about protection, and, I mean, I, I had to dig it up to see yeah. what psalm it was. But I think was, I remember what it was. Yeah. It was beautiful, because, it was right, the day after he was killed, he would, have, he would have said it, too. And it was like, it was all about, like, and it was just, man, it, it struck my heart when I thought, you know, he would have said mass again. Of course he would have, you know, and he would have heard this one. And yet he lived it the day yeah, before right. you know, and died it the day before. Yeah. yeah. Well, we certainly, you know, pray for him and the repose of his soul. But more likely than not, we ask him to pray, pray for to us him, yeah. um, and uh, and deliver us from 
uh, the siege on Christianity that is happening currently throughout the world. Um, or or at, get us ready for it. Prepare or us, get us ready yeah. for it. Amen. Um, the uh, the reason, part of the reason why it, it worked really well in terms of uh, aligning with my own topic is actually the town where this martyrdom took place is, I just checked it again, it's a suburb of Rouen. Okay. And Rouen is the place where uh, St. Joan of Arc was burned alive. Wow. She was burned at the stake. So today I want to do my podcast on Joan of Arc and St. Joan of Arc and kind of who she is, what she did, why she was important. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of tell you a little bit about her life. Sometimes saints, if they're like super popular, it's like, okay, great. You know, like everybody kind of knows about St. Sebastian, whatever. But maybe not the full backstory. So a few little girls dress as Joan of Arc every year, and we know what basically yeah. what happened. But and it's all but it's the name of your parish. So. That's my name of my parish. Yeah. That's my people. St. Joan of Arc in Arvada. Come on down. Uh, we've already had a few podcast listeners show up. Bring scotch. Uh, that that always helps. <laughs> the, the, the the incense will be pleasing before the altar of our, our egos. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's been good so far. Um, when I was on retreat in May. Uh, I took two books, okay? I usually bring, like, eight books and think, oh, I'm going to read all these. And this time I was like, no, I'm just going to read two books. The first book I read in a little under 36 hours, Hmm. and that was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's (laughs) Stone. Amazing. Amazing, folks. And I promise you... Uh, very soon we will do a podcast. Maybe when Father John or Father Mike gets back. Have you read all the Harry Potters? Yes. yes. Oh, we should do a group one. Yeah. We should do a foursome. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Because honestly, like, could give some input. Yeah. Holy cats, dude! It's so delicious. Mm. Right now, I am. I just finished book six last night. Oh wow! I mean, don't tell me anything because right now it's like the wheels have fallen off, and you know this this is real. I told okay. you already. Book seven is just his. Oh! Okay, just stop. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I, that I read quickly. Um, and part of the reason why I wanted to read that is because uh, that was one of Father Goronsky's favorite series, mm. and he would go back to it routinely. He just thought it was really good fiction. And nice. um, and so I wanted to, in tribute to him, I wanted to start the series. And I started it May 25th, mm. or like May 18th or whatever, whenever I was on retreat. I just finished book six. So, I mean, I may not exactly be going as fast as, like, Girls Through Twilight, right. you know, but I'm, I'm moving. I'm moving. Like, to need through it, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, but then the second book I brought, which I've been hoping to read for a long time, I've actually given this book away probably three or four times and never read it, mm-hmm. um, is Joan of Arc by Mark Twain. Nice. Um, and the interesting thing about this book, at least from the perspective of a fictional biography, is that Mark Twain spent over a decade researching this book. Hmm. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, Mark Twain wrote it. Like, he's just writing a fanciful story about, right. about Joan of Arc. No, he poured over manuscripts hmm. and, um, like, eyewitness testimony and um, sworn oaths, like, testimonial accounts of the courtroom scene from when Joan of Arc uh, went through her trial. Wow. Um, and so he prepared and he prepared and he prepared for this and said, I couldn't get the story right so it wouldn't come out. And his wife was actually the one who was who was reading all of his manuscripts and being like, you don't have it right yet. Hmm. And then eventually once he settled on this format where he 
takes the story of Joan of Arc and he adds a few characters that kind of give um, their own like semi-fictional account of the realistic events that happened. Okay. Then it kind of adds flesh to the bones, but then uh, eventually like um, it just culminates in um, what more likely than not is very close to what happened in the in the in the courtroom hmm. uh, when she was tried. Okay. But um, have you ever read this book? No. Oh, you don't know anything about Joan of Arc. You oh, said that? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I know basics, but that's it. Nothing, what, what do you know? In depth. I know that she was killed by the Catholic Church, then canonized by the Catholic Church. It, that is true. Yeah. Do you know when her feast day is? I don't. We don't have her on our calendar, so I'm not sure. Do you want to hear something crazy? I would love to. She's not on our calendar either. Oh, really? Bum, bum, bum. What's wrong with us? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, St. Joan of Arc was taken off the universal Roman calendar okay. at the same time that oh. St. Christopher and Philomena? Philomena were taken off. Really? Mm-hmm. Because they think she might be fictional? No. Um, the reason why Christopher, Philomena, and uh, Joan of Arc were taken off were because uh, it's more of a particular devotion. That's what at least it said with Joan of Arc, was a particular devotion of a certain kind of people. Like a certain number of people. Really? And it would be kind of awkward to be an Englishman celebrating, like, you know, the the Feast of St. Joan of Arc in, you know, say, yeah. I don't know, London or wherever. Um, but there are others, like, that we would celebrate and be like, yeah. actually, we kind of... If and when the Orthodox and the Catholics unite, which is a day I'm hoping and praying for every single day, like... There are saints in the in the in the Byzantine Catholic Church that are only saints because they were killed by the Orthodox, and there are saints in the Orthodox Church that are only saints because they were killed by Catholics. Yeah. And not only that, but there's like Alexis Toth is a saint for the OCA Church, the Orthodox Church of America. He's a saint because he left Catholicism. That is why he's a saint. Oh. And it's like one day when we have union, uh, the union of the churches. I hope and pray that that we're going to have all of these people on our calendar, yeah. and it's going to be a sign of our troubled past, but we're still acknowledging they're in heaven. That's it. And right now, hopefully, they're rejoicing in the unity of the churches, you know, yeah. when that comes. So, so yeah, just keep weird. pushing and yeah. hoping and thinking and praying. Anyways. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, we should certainly pray for that. And actually, I think it's a shame that uh, she is not on the universal calendar. In fact, her feast day is on May 30th. Okay. Um, I learned that um, just from reading this book. Yeah. And then um, uh, I was with Father Brian Larkin and Father Jason Wunsch, I think, on a Monday this year. And uh, we, we celebrated Mass in Larkin's yeah, Chapel. Yeah, that's right. You I were there. there too, yeah. So I celebrated for all yeah. the parishioners of St. Joan of Arc. Amen. She is the patroness of soldiers and France. Okay. So all of France... And every soldier, nice. she's the patroness, which is interesting. Do you remember who the patron of soldiers was? We did a podcast on him. You and I did? Yeah. Oh. Martin. Of Tours. Of Tours. Yes. Well done. That's right. Anywho, and he was French. Okay. So they, and um, anyways, in terms of the French, have you ever heard that joke? No. Um, they got an advertisement in the paper for uh, a rifle. Okay. Never fired, dropped twice. <laughs> <laughs> patron and patroness of soldiers were both french people come on come on i'm here all week um so anyways uh so saint joan of arc um i'll just tell you a little bit about her and then you can kind of chime in whenever how about okay. that that'll work perfect <laughs> the year was 1412 so we're in like the 
1412, that would be considered the Middle Ages. Right. Um, Catholicism is still the only church. Like, we're still, well, I'm with a Byzantine. Yeah, I was going to um, say. <laughs> in the West. In the West. Okay, in the go. West. There you go. Um, so there's no Protestantism. Right. Okay. Um, so we are united as one church, but we have these countries that don't seem to get along. Okay. Um, oddly enough, this uh, we talked about this in one of our last last podcasts. Do you remember when we were talking about St. Crispin's Day? Yeah. Which podcast was that on? That... Was it on Martyrs? No. Okay. No, it was it was it was around Christmas for some reason. I remember yeah. tying the two together. Christmas well, anyways, Crispins. Yeah. This is all melding together because the Battle of oh gosh, Agen Azincourt, Azincourt sounds legit. Azincourt, Azincourt. Uh, I don't know. We're screwed. <laughs> it's it's A G I N C O U R T. Okay. Agincourt, Azincourt. Who knew? Anywho. That's the battle that is depicted in Henry V when he delivers that speech oh. that says um, that the, the one who would die in my company this day, like, would be, you know, celebrated and venerated and all the, and they would say, I stood with him mm-hmm. on St. Crispin's Day. Yes. It's going to come back to me what podcast that was. Okay. Go ahead. Go yes. Ahead. So that's the battle that determined the course of history uh, between England and France and and changed um, the balance of power in England's favor. Hmm. So the French, the French came into that. They're heavily armed. They're like in like these huge suits of armor. They come to a battle where they're going to fight these bedraggled Englishmen hmm. that they think we're going to totally annihilate them. Right. Like stories say that it was like somewhere around twelve thousand to one thousand or twelve thousand two thousand hmm. soldiers. But because of the 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 battle like field, like the way in which the landscape right. was, the way in which the the land had been recently plowed, and the French couldn't march through in their heavy armor or get their cavalry through, okay. and then they they like shot them with all the longbows. It's a sweet scene hmm. if you've ever seen you know Henry V, either either with uh, oh shoot, I only know him as the. Um, as the guy from Harry Potter, who's oh. like super important, but anyways, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Sorry. I oh my gosh, Sinead's laughing that I can't remember his name. <laughs> Whatever, it'll come to me. Um, so yeah, so the French suffer a huge, huge defeat that day, hmm. and then that tips the balance of power in England's favor, and then from then on, the French are on the retreat. Okay. Okay. So, um, fast forward, let's see here. That was 1415, okay? That was Friday, October 25th, 1415. Okay. Three years before that, Joan of Arc was born, okay? Okay. She was born in the small town of Domremy, like a nowhere town. Sheep, herders, peasants, hmm. whatever. At the age of 12, she begins receiving revelations from heaven, oh. from... Uh, it's like three saints, St. Saint Catherine, St. Margaret, and uh, St. Michael. And the revelations were this, namely that uh, the king, the rightful heir to the throne of France, must be restored to the throne, hmm. um, and you must drive out the English. Hmm. And so she just keeps receiving these revelations from like 12 to 14. Hmm. And then she's like, I got to do something about this. 
So she she has all these revelations, and she's she feels this prompting from the saints and the Holy Spirit that says, "I will be with you. Um, you are going to deliver France by by my power, but ultimately through your through your presence." Hmm. So she's only fourteen years old. Wow. Fourteen years old, and she begins this work of of trying to uh, gather again the French army to make an assault against the English, which at that time, like the French people were so decimated, so scattered, so like, like, uh, like they just had lost all hope Mm. that they're just like, what's the point? What's the point of even fighting anymore? Um, and, uh, and she, she says, no, 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 God is on our side and, uh, we're, we're going to take these guys out. And it's all be- it's all because you know God has told me this. Hmm. So she goes through the, a series of events where she goes to like her I don't know her cousin or some kind of relative who's like somehow knows the the king. Now the king at this time is not crowned. He's just kind of like this guy who this is, is the king of France. This is the king of France okay. who at the time is called the Dauphin. Okay, the Dauphin, okay. the Dolphin. Uh, okay, what the heck kind of name is that? I mean, the, the French are weird. The big nose. I love them, but something. they're just yeah. <laughs> so no, but that's like the title that they give okay. to the to oh, the to the guy who's going to be king. I see. So like in England, you have like the King of England, and then you have the Prince of I Wales. See. Right. That's like the pit stop before you eventually reach the finish right. line and become right. the the King of England. Okay. So you're not the King of France, but before that, you're you're considered the Dolphin. Okay. The Dauphin. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, so the Dauphin is part of um, he's part of the rightful bloodline to the to the crown, but at this time his uh, he can't get to the cathedral to be crowned. Okay. The cathedrals in Reims that's where they crowned all of their kings, but because of the outbreak of war and the fear of being captured, he's hiding. Okay. And Saint Joan of Arc is like. No, we're going to take you to Reims, and we're going to get you crowned. Hmm. And he's like, you're out of your mind. Okay. And and so at first she can't even convince her like cousin or whatever to take her to the king. Finally, she gets to the king, and uh, the king's like, yeah, you're like 14, <laughs> right? You're like 14 to 15 years old at this time, right? okay? Um, there was this – there's this quote. This is the, the beginning page of this book. Which, as, as he can see, I've read it to the yeah. end, but this is the, the preface. Consider this unique and imposing distinction. Since the writing of human history began, Joan of Arc is the only person of either sex who has ever held supreme command of the mili- military forces of a nation at the age of 17. Wow. So she's trying to convince this king... For like, you know, at first she's trying to convince this other guy, then she's trying to convince the king until she's like 17 years old. We got to go and we've got to retake, we take France. Hmm. And they're like, we think you might be crazy. You might be possessed. So she goes through all of these tests and he's got this great line in here. uh, Mark Twain does where it's like, it's like a person who has a house that's infested with mice and, uh, we have a cat that can get rid of the mice, but we want to find out first whether or not the cat is holy and pious oh. uh, before we let before we stick it on on the mice. Right. But if 
if she's saying that all these visions are from like heaven right. and that this is going to happen, it would be an even greater embarrassment for all of the military to all of a sudden like be under the command of a girl yeah. at who's like 17 years old and um and they're going to somehow like, you know, win this victory. Right. Eventually she reveals to the king by some like secret knowledge that she she had from heaven that she does have like a prophetic gift. Hmm. And he's like, "All right, I'll take a chance, right? But your your test is you have to raise the siege at Orléans. I looked up all these pronunciations. <laughs> I think they're so great. They're, I'm probably like totally off, but it's really fun. Uh, so she goes to this town of Orleans. Nobody knows. Orleans. Orleans. Okay. She goes to Orleans, and, um, and she begins to siege the city to take it back. Mm. Now imagine this. This is a young woman who is dressed in armor. Yeah. But not carrying like a sword um, in battle. She had a sword, but she never killed anyone. Hmm. She never killed a single person her entire time in combat. Really? Um, and she, um, she's just convincing everyone we can do this. Hmm. Like she's, she's just like, Leading. stop being, stop being afraid. God is with us. Let's do this. Hmm. And uh, sure enough, they like they break through this this invincible fortress. That for over I don't know three four years that they hadn't been able to get into. Okay. So then he's like, "All right, cool. You did. You pass the test. Uh, I might go with you." And so she's like, "I'm gonna clear a path for you." So she just starts taking town after town after town, and the whole time she's not just like coming up with amazing battle strategies, right. which she is, but she's also like training the men like stop raping women. Amen. Make a confession. Stop using like uh, bad language when you're around each other. She's actually training the men in righteousness. Okay. And they see this woman and they're like, one, you're amazing, but you're also beautiful and we we trust you. Hmm. And so like all of the men rally around her. They take city after city after city until finally she herself leads the king back into Reims and is the standard bearer of the the french flag as they come into um as they come into the cathedral wow she gets like prime seating right Right. the king's like awesome you crowned me that's cool why don't you keep fighting my battles for me thanks um but he doesn't really support her because like now he's gotten the kingship and it's kind of like well we don't really need to drive the english out i mean it's okay that i'm the king now but he's, she's like, no, we have to keep like pushing, pushing them back to their own country. Um, eventually, she ends up um, fighting uh, th- this battle at. Um, uh oh, oh no, that's where that's where my memory. Um, I don't know. She gets captured. Uh, long story short, she gets captured. Um, she is like trying to trying to fight. Eventually, somebody shoots her with a crossbow. I mean, like, dude, mm. like, you shot a woman with a crossbow. Right. Like, what a loser. <laughs> um, and then she is, uh, she's captured by the English and then taken away. Um, eventually, she is tried by a court in this town of Rouen. Okay. She is not tried by French. 
she is tried by the English. So the French had tried her first, like, I mean, kind of investigated her first to see whether or not she was crazy. Eventually they decide she's actually holy. We trust you. Um, They're like, we're going to, we're going to let you lead the armies. Then the English get their butts kicked by her and are like, the reason why we're getting our butts kicked, because they're Catholics too. Right. So like, if we're getting our butts kicked, this probably isn't the will of God. So you must be possessed by the devil. Uh, so then they start like investigating her and saying like, "Why are you dressed in men's clothes?" Hmm. And she's like, "Well, I am a soldier, right. and I asked permission to do this." And they're like, "People don't do that. Um, how do you know that these voices are from God and not from the devil?" Hmm. And she's only like a fourteen-year-old girl who became a soldier and fought for a number of years. Right. But she is able to parry all of their attacks hmm. for months, if not years. Wow. Um, and they can't, they can't like, get her to say something um, where, she, um, where she makes a mistake. The best line that she gives – I got to find this. Uh, this is like one of, her, one of her most famous lines. Namely, um, according to theology at the time, you cannot know whether or not you're in a state of grace. Hmm. Like, a soul cannot know whether they're in a state of grace. And so they asked her, while, you, while you're doing all this, like, and you've gotten to this point, are you in a state of grace at this time? And if she would have answered yes, she would have consi- uh, they would have considered that blasphemy okay. because she couldn't have known that. Right. Um, if she would have said no, that means that she is not holy and therefore, like, she can be, you know, like, killed at will. Okay. So she says, um, she says, if I am, may God preserve me in it. If I am not, may God bring me to it as soon as possible. Hmm. Amen. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, like, they, they, they starve her. She tries to escape. She can't escape. She, like, jumped out of a 70-foot tower, oh. um, which she would have escaped had she... Oh, UPS. You got a fine. UPS guy. Do I need to sign it? I don't know. No, nope, I don't. He's walking away. Oh, okay. See ya. He's probably like, those guys are probably podcasting in there. <laughs> Anyways, so they starve her. She tries to escape. She like jumps out of a 70-foot window. She would have gotten away, but she hurt her ankle. Typical. Right. Um, like, I mean, 70 <laughs> feet. Oh, my gosh. Right. Just um, an ankle. And then... Uh, and then she says, she says in the course of their like investigations, if you make me sign something, I want on record right now that I don't, I don't actually believe what you're making me sign. Hmm. So then they, they get her to the point where they're going to put her through the, you know, the, the torture and the uh, burner alive, and they convince her that if she signs this thing, she can be let go, and you know. Um, like whatever else, and so she does. I don't know. Maybe that's John. Maybe that's Mark Twain's version. Right. But it sounds like maybe that did happen. He wasn't exactly. But then, as soon as she comes to her right mind, because they'd like starved her so much, she was like, you know, not even, not even lucid. She said, "I reject that." They take her back in. Eventually, they find her guilty by an all English panel, mm. even though they had no reason to try her. And they said we're gonna we're gonna kill you by um, by burning you alive because you're a witch. Right. And um, she goes to the um, she goes to the pyre, and uh, an English soldier actually gives her a cross that he fashioned out of two sticks, and she holds it as they burn her alive. Hmm. And her last words 
were Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Not, (laughs) right? Because she did not fear death. She had accomplished her mission. She had delivered France, um, and she was trying to bring faith to these people. And she was never doing it for glory. She was never doing it for the salvation of French as a nation. She was doing it to preserve um, the will of God, which was that for some reason, French should remain separate from England. Hmm. And um, so then she died. And then apparently, according to the historical reports, they raked her body over after mm. after they burned her right. so that the people could see that she didn't escape from the wow. flames. And then they burned her two more times. Oh, my gosh. So there are no relics of St. Joan of Arc. Um, I mean, maybe there are second-class relics, but there's right. no relics of her body. Wow. And... Um, so then she died in 1431. So she was 17 when she died? 18? She was 19 years 19 old. 19 years old. She wow. was ni- 19 years old. What were you doing at 19? <sighs> 19 years old? <laughs> I was, you know where You know where I probably was? I was probably in freaking Walmart stocking uh, Pepsi cans. <laughs> I, was, I was working for Pepsi at the time. Okay. Oh my gosh, what a loser. Uh, yeah. I was failing out of my first year of college. I was coming back home after all my friends were off doing big things, yeah. 19. Yeah. And uh, so then she was completely discredited, like uh, burned at the stake. Like they, they, the king didn't even try to ransom her. Like he could have uh, paid a sum of money to have her, because she was a prisoner of war. She could have been ransomed. Yeah. Didn't even try. I'm guessing he's not a saint. Guessing he's not yeah. a saint. Exactly. <laughs> he may have become the king, but, he, you know, right. I hope Who that cares? his soul was delivered. Anyways, um, and then, let's see here. Um, she, they eventually looked back on her. She was, she was killed on May 30th, 1431. They did another trial in the Vatican in 1456, so 25 years later. And they said, well, actually, we, we declared her guilty before. The church leadership, I mean, these were bishops and priests who tried her and found her guilty. Then bishops and priests retried her in Vatican neutral court and said, actually, she was innocent. But it wasn't until 1920 and 1909 that she was beatified. Really? Over 450 years later. 450 years later, we're like, our bad. Yeah. And then she was canonized or beatified, and then she was made a saint by... Pope Benedict XV. Wow. So I'm like, why in the heck do we not have this lady on the universal calendar? It's a wonderful story right. in, in in education in actually certain aspects of the church can err. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that humans, in her yeah. teaching and in her doctrines, she can she she can err. Right. Um, and we got it wrong before, but then eventually we canonized, canonized her. Well, you so. know what? If you have a miracle at your parish, they might consider it, since the parish is named Joan of Arc. Yeah, right. If you have a miracle happen there, they might reconsider putting it back. I'll start or, checking all the walls to see if there's like mysterious oil seeping out. Or I'll convince our metropolitan to put her on the Byzantine calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just to humble you Romans. Oh, well, my gosh. We, we put her on the Byzantine calendar anyway. But, I mean, like, she was burned alive in Rouen. Yeah. Burned alive in Rouen. And then 500 years later, yeah. um, this priest dies. Yeah. Um, so I think we have a powerful intercessor yep. um, in heaven 
who's the patroness of soldiers and France, and now this this priest, uh, Father uh, Jacques, Jacques Hamel. Yes, Jacques Hamel. Yes, um, to intercede for us. So let us pray that that they would deliver us from Amen. the scourge of um, militant uh, radical Islam. Amen. 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 So Saint Joan of Arc, pray for us. Pray for us. I'm sorry. That seemed like a really long time that I talked. Actually, I don't think you talked that long. We bantered for a really long time. Yeah, but like you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get to talk that much. Oh, I'm fine. So when you tell the story of the now. the Byzantine holy protection, you know, holy protection I'll, I'll listen. You can tell random stories dutifully like as part of the story. Yeah, yeah, but that'll be a boring. Podcast have you ever? Have you ever like burned anyone alive? Not I should that, have asked. Not you that, that I talk about on the air. Okay. okay. Uh, have you ever carried a sword? Only when I was. 10 out of one of those carnivals yeah what do you call it yes. renaissance fairs oh whenever <laughs> no, we used to go to the pony express in mount zion every single year i would buy one of those plastic ninja oh, swords yeah, yeah. and me and my brother would play for play with it for like maybe an hour and then we would hit them so hard that they would break oh. you know and then they would like go all like limp yeah and i was yep. like there's no point yeah. forget it so I remember every year I would buy. We'd go to Durango, Colorado for vacation, and I would buy one of those those like those uh, old knight suits, you know, the plastic ones. Yeah. And one year my mom made us wooden swords, and then I could. So I went to a Renaissance fair because I'd never heard of one. My parents were, I guess, too cool for them or something like that. And we went to Renaissance fair, and I heard that you could actually fight a real knight. Like I must have been like six. Whoa. And so, so it, and it was true. But the the guy looks at me, and I'm I, I'm six years old. I look like I'm three, you know, because I'm so short. And he just like he defends himself twice and lets me crank him across the chest, you know. And he pretends like he's dead. And I was like, that was not real. Like, that wasn't I, real. I was horribly disappointed. Like, come on, dude, put up a fight. Like this isn't even a challenge. Like I just killed. How you am I going to pick up chicks when you like totally fake? <laughs> As you, like, shove a pike through his abdomen. Exactly. Anywho, um, I would highly recommend this book, yeah. uh, Joan of Arc by Mark Twain. The only problem is we did kind of spoil the ending. She dies. Um, <laughs> and the whole time you're reading this book, you're like, she is such a good woman. Why in the heck would we kill her? Yeah. And we did. Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah, that's it. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Maranatha. All right. That's all I got. Hi, right. I'll start the shout-outs then. A shout out to my brother-in-law, David, who is extremely struggling with MS. Would you please pray for him and his family? We love you, David, from Katie Huber. Absolutely, we'll pray for him. All right. St. Joan of Arc, pray for David. Uh, Another shout out to my husband, Jake, in the U.S. Air Force on his 30th birthday from his wife, Eileen, and two daughters, Reagan and Nora. His girls miss him in Northern California, but are so proud of him. Please give a shout out to my wife, Ashley Walsh, accepting no substitutes, Colin Walsh. P.S. For a real whiskey, try Powers Irish Whiskey, the John Lane edition. Hmm. I think I might have just bought that. I was say, sounds expensive. You might have sent us a bottle. It was, um, uh, I, we had an Irishman stay with us this past week, oh. Deacon Rory. Okay. Uh, from the Diocese of Meow, India. I am not joking. Diocese of <laughs> Meow, India. He was giving the mission appeal. Nice. Um, and uh, anyways, uh, I was like, I got to buy this guy whiskey. Yeah. And then I asked him if he drank Patty Powers, and he said, yeah. So okay. I bought him some Patty Powers. So I'll check it out. Uh, a Sophia. <laughs> I think I've had too much already. A shout out from... <laughs> Start at the bottom. 
<laughs> I can't do this. A shout out for my wonderful, beautiful girlfriend, Sophia, from Luke Danis. Amen. There you go, Sophia. <laughs> from out. Luke. Amen. He misses you. Shout out. <laughs> shout out to the crew of Ride for Hope and Mercy, biking across America to raise money for Christians in the Middle East. From Matt Tynan. Giver of the Alf doll. Double shout out. That's right. Shout outs to Sarah, to Father Coy, ordained June 4th, and to my friends in Frasati, Houston, who give me so much happiness from Katie Landry. That's not a city, right? That's actually a Frasati organization in Houston, I'm guessing. So, exactly. Good, good organization. What do you guys, you, don't, you can't hike in Houston. What? What do you just walk around sweat in Houston and call it Frasati? Frasati's about hiking and doing stuff outside. <laughs> I don't know. God bless you, Houston. Okay. I guess. To my good friend, Henry Eichmann, and his new bride, Erin, married in Flint, Michigan, from Jenna Violi, and their friends from Westchester University Catholic Newman Center. All right. Nice. Last one. We'll finish on this one. Uh, shout out for our daughter, Sister Mary Alexandra of the Little Sisters of the Poor. We will be flying to France. Wow. Appropriate. To France next month to be with her and 15 other nuns who will also be making their perpetual vows from Peggy Moffat. God bless you, Sister Mary Alexandra. Thank you for being um, a consecrated sister, especially um, in that country. Amen. All right, Catholic stuff. Pray to Joan of Arc. What else? Anything? Catholic stuff. Podcast at Gmail. Like us on Facebook. Shout out on iTunes. Somebody else just gave us a, a one star on <gasps> what did it say? I don't think you even listened. They just said that we're copying stuff you should know. Yes. Which we got permission to copy stuff you should know. So That's all right. He's flipping out for no reason. All right. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Laters. Bless. Love you.